and welcome back to Don't Get Me Started with Disability Rights Mississippi. My name is Greta Martin. I'm the litigation director here at Disability Rights and I am joined today by Jane Walton. Back again. Yes, and we have a really exciting topic today. Yes, so once again I have come to you and said, Greta, there's something very important to me that I want to talk about and I'm forcing myself on to talk about Free Britney. Yes. As a child of the 90s, I'm very excited about talking on this topic because I, like most of us, have been following this crazy story about this long-term conservatorship that Britney Spears has been subject to. So, you know, if you've been paying attention to the news, you've heard this phrase, hashtag free Britney. You may have even used it on your Instagram account like I have. For sure. So, for those not familiar, um, the Free Britney movement is a social media turned real life activism campaign that was centered on pop star Britney Spears. Baby, one more time, Britney Spears. Um, talented uh, pop star from the 90s. Um, she's been under conservatorship since 2008. Wild. And basically that means she's been unable to make any decisions for herself regarding finances, medical care, daily activities. I mean, even going for a drive or visiting with friends is subject to someone else's approval. Right. So after having a very personal mental health crisis, uh, you know, very public, we all remember those hor horrific pictures. Um, it, it occurred when she was a young mother under intense public scrutiny, just had her children um, blasted across tabloids. She was basically just stripped of her personhood. Right. That's, I mean, I grew up with Britney and I at many times in my life I literally wanted to be Britney Spears when I grew I, up didn't we all? so <laughs> it's just now especially looking back um at that time in 2008 and just now you know we're all kind of watching the documentaries and, and having a conversation and looking kind of back at what was done to her and how her you know personal mental health crisis t was turned into just tabloid fodder and then mm -hmm. that was kind of fuel for her to wind up in this situation um mm -hmm. i mean it's really really sad but i'm glad that we're talking about it now yes yes i think it's an important conversation because you have this um the story that centers around this young woman's mental health um but also you have this story of this young mother who you know, more than more likely than not was suffering some form of postpartum depression. Right. And you tack that on with the stress of being an international superstar. It's just, um, it was an incredible story. Um, and it was, it's just sad to see that it has come this far for this long. Um, so just a little bit about conservatorships and guardianships. So these are intended to assist those who are deemed to not be able to make decisions for themselves. Um, they're typically reserved for those who are experiencing severe dementia or extreme mental illness or those who might be unable to make the decisions which impact their health, safety, or, or their best interest. So Brittany, um, you know, mere months after being placed under her conservatorship, was back to work, performing for tens of thousands of people, uh, operating under a grueling schedule, raking in millions of dollars, which is to say she has been completing activities that are don't match up with the notion that she's so incapacitated that she cannot make simple decisions. It just didn't add up. That's right. not the purpose of, of these uh, legal um, situations. Right. 
And this has been going on for 13 years. And, and now, somehow, enough people have stood up and said this is not right. And something is clearly amiss. And this has been thrust into the national spotlight. And I think it, I think it should be. Um, you know, the misuse of these uh, legal circumstances, it's important. Yeah. Because there, there are places for this. Um, but I do believe that it can be used as an abuse of authority, a use of an abuse of power for those who have mental illness, but yet may still be able to make their own decisions. Right. So I'm glad we're talking about this today. Yeah, yeah. And and like you said, and I know we're going to get into this more. You know, not all conservatorships or guardianships are bad. Um, they can be very helpful for people and help them, you know, improve their quality of life. But you know, with the Britney situation, just the fact that she is you know, so stripped of her rights, but then is also, you know, continuing on to work like she has. It's just, like we said, just something's not adding up. So obviously this is a big pop culture news story. You know, we love Britney um, and it's all over Instagram, but I guess, why are we talking about this um, on this podcast? Why is this a disability rights issue? Okay, so aside from Britney's story, this has just opened a new conversation uh, that's a, that kind of shines a light on conservatorships and guardianships and how these systems are just a breeding ground for rights violations. Um, but if you look through the lens of Britney's story, we're seeing how these sy- systems can silence or isolate the, uh, the people that are living under them. Mm-hmm. Um, the overlap of people with disabilities and people who are under a guardianship or conservatorship is substantial. So today, we're going to dive in this topic as it relates to people with disabilities, particularly those in Mississippi. Um, and I think it's important because we recently have had a revamp of our conservatorship and guardianship laws. Right. And so those were very antiquated and disability rights um, sat on the committee that reviewed those laws and revamped those laws. So just a few things off the bat, conservatorships and guardianships are often referred to interchangeably, but that is not accurate. They're similar, but very distinct. A guardianship is more overarching as a guardian has the ability to make more of a wide range of personal and medical decisions, whereas a conservator typically only has the authority to handle financial matters. So in Brittany's case, she's been under a conservatorship of both her estate which is her finances and her assets, as well as her person, which means medical decisions. And that's where we got the whole kind of where her friends are able to visit and she's able to visit her friends, just her daily activities. Right. So it really depends on a state's terminology, the circumstance and so on. But generally what we are talking about here are restrictions on the person's ability to make decisions for themselves. Um, you know, according to the National Council on Disability in 2018, an estimated 1.3 million people with disabilities were under guardianship. So, wow. it's it's a big deal in the disability rights community, for sure. Right. And I know with Brittany, we always, it's the word that's used is conservatorship, conservatorship. Right. But, you know, she's in California, we're in Mississippi, like different states might have mm-hmm. different laws, but... You know, essentially, she is under both a conservatorship and a guardianship because of right. its personal and financial. Yeah. And it's very different state by state. Like yeah. I said, Mississippi, until recently, had very antiquated uh, guardianship and conservatorship laws. Um, now, I think they're a little more clearly defined, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but, you know, people do still use that interchangeably, even when they call us you know, they tend to just stick with guardianship. They right. don't really know the aspects or that a conservatorship 
um, is different and exists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just knowing that they're two separate pathways, um, it's helpful. Gotcha. So I guess let's start from the beginning. Like what is the process like of a guardianship or conservatorship? How does it happen that someone would be placed under this situation? Um, how does someone get assigned to be a guardian, etc.? Okay. So a guardianship or conservatorship is appointed by the court. Um, They're put into place after either the individual with the disability or someone else files a petition with the court. And in Mississippi, when we're looking at conservatorships, it says that they're put into place upon petition by the individual or one or more of his friends or relatives if a person is incapable of managing his own estate because of advanced age, physical incapacity, or mental weakness. If someone is placed under both a guardianship and a conservatorship, the same person frequently will serve as both the guardian and conservator. Um, but you know, several people could be appointed. It, it, it just varies, and it's on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Brittany's case, um, her father infamously in, uh, is, is involved, mm-hmm. as are the attorneys and financial managers. Gotcha. So I think that's interesting. You know, a person could themselves say, like, Hey, you know, I really could benefit from um, having someone help mm-hmm. me manage, you know, my financial affairs or help me mm-hmm. manage some medical decisions, you know, or it could be someone that is looking out um, for yes. a family member, a friend. Um, yeah. And I know. think it's important to note that it, it truly can be uh, um, adjudicated on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be a limited conservatorship. If someone truly just needs help managing their finances, but they want to retain all the ability to make their own medical decisions, housing decisions, that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is the job of a chancellor to truly look to see what the individual needs mm-hmm. and what's in their best interest. So an overarching guardianship or conservatorship may not be the the case, right. may not be what they need. Right. And we want to encourage courts to uh, limit conservatorships and guardianships so that individuals with disabilities or mental illness can participate in their own life, right? right? right. They, you know, that was, to me, what was so heartbreaking about Brittany's story is that you know, she probably did need some kind of support mm-hmm. at that time in her life. Right. It did not need to continue, and maybe it was only for certain parts of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just feel like her in her case, it was w- overreaching and, and too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the heartbreak of, of what we know now is that she was still being forced to work. Right. I mean, it wasn't... Like, we're going to put you in this uh, situation and hope that you heal and get better. Right. It's, we're going to put you out there and you're going to be a machine for this conservatorship. And so, yeah. it was just, that's not the purpose. Right. Right. Um, so, what, I know we've kind of talked about, you know, medical financial, but let's get into the nitty gritty a bit of what types of decisions guardians and conservators have the power to make in the person's life for whom they are serving. Yeah. So... This very public Brittany case is really brought to light how limited a person can be under under these um, systems. Uh, the general definition of conservatorships and guardianships are pretty straightforward and make you think of major medical and financial decisions. This is just not always the case. Right. Um, the power of these structures can really, you know, seep into a person's daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
who gets to visit them at their home. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, in her famous testimony recently, Brittany said that she was unable to see friends. She would have limited access to email or texts, uh, making uh, phone calls. She had no say over her medical treatment from, you know, even the daily medicine that she took. Mm-hmm. And probably the most shocking uh, it was her ability to have say over her birth control and the removal of her IUD so that she could have more children. I mean, I can't even fathom. I I, it was just crazy. But, um, you know, she was forced to work, like I just mentioned, when she didn't want to. She was unable to even repaint her kitchen or go out for a drive. That it's was just, so, that small detail of, like, sad. you're a gajillionaire and you just literally want to repaint your kitchen cabinets. But someone is saying, like, no, you cannot use your yes. hard-earned millions of dollars to you know, revamp your kitchen. Right, right. But, you know, in her situation is unique in that she she is a high-functioning individual. Um, She's capable of of doing these things that Mm -hmm. she's been prohibited from doing. Um, And, you know, that's not the case for everybody. Um, You know, many individuals under conservatorships or guardianships truly may be unable to drive or work or make these informed decisions regarding their medical care. Um, but it, this just highlights how powerful these structures can be and how limited the rights of those who are under them are. Um, a guardian can make decisions about where you live, who you live with, what you do each day, what goes into your body. Um, a conservator can make decisions about how your money's spent and what you have access to materially. And through this public case, we can truly see how mismanaged or improperly administered these guardianships can be. And then, you know, ultimately how they violate the civil rights of people with disabilities. And, and they're, they can even be dangerous. Right. Um, of course, there are guardianships and conservatorships that are necessary and beneficial. And, and it's, it's why it's so important to understand what these systems are, what they can do for people with disabilities, and why here at DRMS we invest, investigate these issues to protect the rights of people with disabilities. Right. So, you mentioned specifically, you know, Mississippi had some really antiquated um, laws regarding this. So, let's kind of get specific to Mississippi as we're here to serve Mississippians with disabilities. Um, Can you kind of give me the landscape of what has happened in this conservatorship, guardianship world in the last few years? Sure. So, like I mentioned, uh, Mississippi's laws regarding these systems were, were very stagnant for about 30 years. Um, they, you know, did not have any provisions with regards to oversight, monitoring, accountability, anything like that. Um, it's obviously, those are huge parts of these systems um, to avoid abuse of individuals who are vulnerable. Um, also, you know, you want that oversight to avoid things like fraud and financial exploitation. Right. But as I mentioned, in 2019, Mississippi Guardianship and Conservatorship Act, or the GAP Act, as I <laughs> called it earlier, was signed into law. It was revised and updated, and um, it was just, it made substantial strides in um providing some legal oversight to these systems. And I was very proud of the way Mississippi handled it because they did um, create a committee of interested parties such as DRMS and others 
to construct these laws to be sensitive for the people that we protect. Right. So I was I was happy to see that that is how they pursued the update. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get to the crux of this major overhaul, there is there was a two-year period of study by the Mississippi Commission on Guardianship and Conservatorship, which mm-hmm. we participated in. Um, they were truly charged by the Supreme Court to develop recommendations on how Mississippi and the courts could really do better in protecting vulnerable adults. Um, this two-year study on how to bring these laws into the modern era and what reporting requirements or and, and accountability measures would be put into place was, was truly important. And, and fortunately, at the core of the charge of the commission um, was to protect the ward's fundamental rights. Mm. And that is that that was major um, for Mississippi, yeah, honestly. Yeah. So in 2019, this comprehensive body of law, the Gap Act, was established. Mm-hmm. And so just some points um, that are provided in this uh, new set of laws. So now there's clear distinguishing between the guardian of the person and the conservator of the estate. That's very important. Right. It clarifies the role of a guardian and conservator in the ward's life. Um, There is specificity in the basis for the appointment of the guardian and conservator through improved medical evaluation. Another big issue. Yeah. Um, The new sets of laws encourage individualized planning and the use of the least restrictive alternative. So that's something at DRMS we are always looking for with regards to people with disabilities. Right. Um, It does a very good job of creating accountability between the guardian and conservator and the courts and in order to prevent fraud and abuse. So just a heightened oversight responsibility for the court. Right. Um, It strives to keep the ward informed of all procedural and substantive rights at hearings and ensures due process through the protection of the person and assets. Very important. Right. Um, Probably one of the biggest things that was missing in the previous um, sets of laws was a um, written guardian conservator plan that would be used through the entire appointment. Mm. And so the court is able to adjust that as needed, but that was just something that wasn't always present in previous, um, prior to the gap act. Right. Um, You know, there's continual monitoring of each board's plan and you track both inventories and accounting through our electronic filing system in Mississippi. Um, and there's just a, a better avenue for the for the reports to be specific and well written to keep the court informed. So wow, yeah, it's a lot, and yeah. it was great because that was those are some things that were not included in the antiquated laws yeah. we had before. And it's wild to think just even a written plan like wasn't yes. required. Like, yes. I mean, all of this you're like, yes, yes, great. And but to think about the fact that for 30 years this wasn't a part of the law right. is quite startling. It is. It is. But this new Gap Act um, defined a guardian very clearly mm-hmm. as a person appointed by the court to make decisions with respect to the personal affairs of the ward and clearly outlined a conservator to be a person appointed by a court to make decisions with respect to the property or financial affairs of a ward. So this all went into effect at the beginning of 2020, which seems like ages ago. Um, (laughs) So it's still relatively new. Um, Courts are still feeling their way through this, which is 
you know, to be expected when you completely overhaul a set of statutes. But it definitely provides a more robust framework for people with disabilities under these systems. Wow. And yeah, like I said, it's just wild to think that this stuff wasn't in place. Um, and also, I mean, I, I would say, you know, now in terms of these laws and like when you look at kind of um, how obviously vague it is, maybe in California where Brittany is, like mm-hmm. Mississippi's kind of, I feel like, dare I say, at the forefront of, you know, making sure people, um, wards are protected and their rights are protected, which is actually really cool to see that Mississippi has put forth um, these statutes to protect people. The commission put in a lot of work um, for, for disability rights Mississippi our then legal director, Micah Dutro, mm-hmm. was our representative, but he truly came back to the agency and got, you know, an agency-wide feel on what we wanted to see in these um, these new sets of laws, so he did a great job. But as I said, the commission was made up of a lot of stakeholders who have yeah. a lot of knowledge about this, this work. Awesome. So. And it's, I mean, I hope other states will follow a similar blueprint now that this is um, such a topic of conversation. So, kind of wrapping up, um, you know, the news around this free Britney movement is changing by the day. You know, when we started researching this episode, things have already changed for Britney. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, while as of today, you know, Britney's conservatorship has not been terminated, she has been granted some relief um, Mm -hmm. through the court in terms of certain aspects. You know, her father's no longer her conservator, etc. So kind of as we continue to watch um, this changing news, why is this so central and important to the rights of people with disabilities? So this Free Britney movement truly pushed this issue into the forefront. Um, that This was just not something that people had a lot of knowledge about and, and the potential abuse before. Mm-hmm. And now you have a whole society of people who just cannot believe that this was allowed to continue. Um, you know, if you're an advocate or an attorney, you might know about them. I mm-hmm. mean, honestly, that this was not my area of the law before coming to the RMS, so right. I knew very little about them. But it was this movement that really thrust these systems um, into into conversation. Um, it's, it's important to remember that before Britney Spears and after all this fades away, there are people around the country who are in similar positions. They're just not pretty pop stars. Right, right. <laughs> um, so they're not in the public eye. Um, conservatorships and guardianships impact just about every facet of life of the individual from financial and medical decisions to the smallest daily choices that are, you know, it, it's very vital for that person's freedom and, and choice and personality. Um, you know, there are some individuals who greatly benefit from these arrangements who are much safer and have a better quality of life. And they're just, they're conservators and guardians who are capable and generous and they understand their role and and that is important. Mm -hmm. But it is very true that this system creates a need for pause, (laughs) for, for critique and examination. Um, and by and large it is people with disabilities who are impacted the most. Um, there's this concept we talk about a lot in the disability community, which is, you know, dignity of risk. Right. Um, if you don't have a disability, you have every opportunity and every right at any point in your day to make a decision. And sometimes those decisions are not great. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all human. Um, but there's dignity and autonomy in being able to make those mistakes and learn from them and move forward. Um and people with disabilities are often denied that mm-hmm. opportunity. 
Um, of course, these arrangements create opportunities for abuse, neglect, exploitation, fraud, and that's something that here we have the authority to investigate, and we do. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's import, important for people who are under these types of systems, under a conservatorship or guardianship, that if they feel they have a rights violation, that they contact our office. Um, we're here to help. Um, we have the authority to help. But also, alternatively, if you have a conservator or a guardian who just wants some guidance yeah. and they just don't feel like they can go to the court, um, we're happy to walk them through, um, you know, what their role should be and how to make their role um, effective, but also give some autonomy to the person that they are, are overseeing. Right. So, um, you know, we have help here. Yeah. Um, so our website and social media have all of our contact information. So just look for that in our show notes. And thank you, Jane. I, I loved being able to talk about Free Britney yes. um, as, like I said, a 90s kid who who listened to her albums and hope she is seeing some relief from this atrocious misuse of the of the legal system. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening in about our chat on Free Britney and conservatorships and guardianships. And I'm Greta Martin with Disability Rights Mississippi, and we are just getting started. The information provided during this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. All content provided by Disability Rights Mississippi on this podcast is for informational purposes only.